The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. Well, today is Communion Sunday, and our college pastor, Eric Keeling, will be bringing the word to us and focusing on that great sacrifice that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, made for us. Let's join Eric now in his sermon. Good morning again. It's good to to be here. Good to be in uh, the pulpit uh, bringing you the Word of God. Uh, For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Eric Keeling. I'm the college pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church. Um, And uh, I'm I'm here a lot, so if you need anything, go ahead and give me a call. It's fine. I don't mind. Um, I am uh, truly humbled and honored to be able to be here this morning to be with you to bring the Word of God to you. Um, I know that you're all excited. If you've been here before and heard me preach, you know that this is a good thing, that I am up here, because you'll be out of here fairly quickly and get into fellowship. uh, But I was told that's not the case. First service, I went long, so I don't know. I apologize up front. I don't know how it's going to go. But but to be able to be here in this pulpit, uh, bringing you the Word of God, is, uh, is a gift. Um, I am thankful for this church. I am thankful for the example of our senior pastor, Matt, um, and his faithfulness to the Word of God and to preaching the Word of God. And I am encouraged by the fact that the entire staff here takes very seriously um, bringing you the Word of God. And Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter to him, chapter 4, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth And will turn aside to miss. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The reality that we are living in today is that there are many people who are simply looking to have their ears tickled. There are a lot of people out there who just want to go to church and get an easy message. Bring a a soft one, you might say, to the crowd. And not really bring forth the the power of the word. And the the really sad part is not that there are people who want to go and have their ears tickled, because the scripture tells us that's going to be the case, that people are going to be looking for that. The sad part is that we have pastors today who are more than happy to do it, if it means their seats are being filled. And uh, I'm thankful to be here, to be at Rancho Baptist Church, where that is not acceptable where that is not okay, where we are not interested in filling the seats as much as we are preaching the word and honoring the Lord and giving forth what he has given to us. Um, That being said, we take the responsibility here very seriously. And this morning, we're going to look to the word to minister to us. Um, I am not much. If you know me, I am a weak vessel who messes up all the time. And so we are going to trust that the Lord is going to minister to us through His Word by the power of His Spirit. With that, let's pray. Father, we 
thank you for the opportunity to be in this place and to open your word freely. And Father, we do ask that you, by the power of your spirit, would minister to our hearts and to our minds. That you would give us eyes to see where we have been blinded and hearts to hear where we have allowed the things of this world to come in and to take up residence. Father, may we be convicted, may we be broken, and Lord, may we be encouraged by the hope of your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the heart of our time together, as you can see, is a life conformed to Christ. Um, this is the, the message I want to share with you, that, that our lives would be conformed to that of Jesus Christ. Is that not to be our, our ultimate desire, right? And I don't bring you this message um, suggesting on any level that I have attained, that I am there, that I have it together, um, because I do not. Um, I am thankful for the Apostle Paul, who has given us so much. Uh, writing two-thirds of the New Testament, he has given us time and time again the concept of a life conformed to Christ, of being transformed into the image of Christ. And this morning I want to look at a passage in Philippians. So if you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians... Chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you. Chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 12 this morning. Paul writes to this church, he says, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to share with you just a little bit of background uh, to this letter to the Philippians. Um, Paul is most likely writing this letter while he was in prison in Rome. Um, he is writing this letter to the church in Philippi that he established during one of his missionary journeys. Um, Philippi, the church in Philippi, was probably the first church that he established in Macedonia. Um, it's guessed that he probably established a church sometime in the early 50s, not the 1950s, obviously, but the first century 50s. Uh, early on. Philippi was a Roman colony. It was a, uh, a fairly wealthy city in relation to those around it especially. Um, and most suspect that there were very few Jews there. Uh, it was a, a small Jewish population, uh, primarily because it was had a strong Roman influence. Um, but also we get that because in Acts, as Luke is traveling with Paul on his journeys and he's writing this letter to um, to Theophilus, he tells him in Acts chapter 16, he says, On the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Now if there had been at least ten men, ten families, men of families Jewish 
in the city of Philippi, there most likely would have been a synagogue. So the fact that they're going out by the riverside to find people to share with and minister to says that there probably wasn't a synagogue there. So it was a small Jewish population, a strong Roman population. Um, And the reason I share this with you is because I think if we have an understanding as to who these people are and where they're coming from, we're going to better understand why Paul says what he says to them, why he shares with them the message that he shares with them. You might say that the, the people of Philippi were those like Bel Air. They were the elite. Um, they were somewhat aloof from the rest. They thought that their place as a Roman colony was a place of significance. They found their, their value in where they came from and in who they were. Uh, many historians say that Philippi was the Rome outside of Italy. Uh, it was had a very strong Roman influence. And so these people found great value and stature in who they were and where they were from. And so, knowing that, we looked at what Paul said right before the passage I just read. Look at verse 4 of chapter 3. Paul says, If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is speaking to a group of people who found their value, who thought that they were something because of where they lived, because of what they had done, because of who they were. Like I said, it's primarily a Roman colony. A lot of Romans, there are many of the soldiers, the Roman soldiers would retire to Philippi. That is where they would spend their days. And so these people who thought that they were something because of that, Paul is responding to them saying, I once thought I was something too. He said, you guys think you have something to boast in? You guys think that you have something to be proud of? Something that means you're greater than others? You don't even come close to me. What I had, who I was, no one compared. There was none like me. No Jew came close to me when it came to being a Jew. When it came to upholding the law, I was blameless, he said. No one could compare to me. I persecuted the church. I went after them. I was circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I got it all together. If anyone can boast in something of the flesh, if anyone can boast of something in this world, Paul says, it's me. 
I am the one who can boast. But then what does he say? He says, it all means nothing. All that I, I had, all that I was, all that I thought I was, is nothing. He says, it's all rubbish. Coming to know Christ put everything else in perspective for Paul. Coming to know Jesus as his Lord changed everything for him. His life was no longer about, I'm the Jew among the Jews, or I do this, or I do that, and I got this together, and no one can question me. His life was about knowing Christ. His life was about pursuing Christ, giving him everything that he had. It wasn't about who he once was, it's about who he wanted to be, and who he was looking to. I think that when we consider who Paul was talking to and what he just said, I think that's what brings verses 12 through 14 to life. Again, he tells them, he says, not that I have already obtained it or that I have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, everything I was is lost to me. Everything that I valued is rubbish. Everything that I I found my worth in is nothing to me when it compares to knowing Christ. I know Him, and all of that pales in comparison. It's nothing. And look at the terms that Paul uses when he talks about this this change, this no longer finding value in those things and and what he accomplished in his flesh, but finding his value in Christ and pursuing that life in Christ. He says, I press on. He says, I reach forward. And then again he says, I press on. He is pursuing this thing. He is pursuing Christ. He is going after Him. He's not finding it in the old ways, the old life. He is finding it in Christ Jesus. And so he knows that Christ is where he's going. He knows that Christ is the end. And so he gives everything he has in pursuing Christ. He presses on to Christ. His great desire was to be Christ-like. And he believed that that day was coming. He told us in Romans. Romans 8, verse 29, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn of many brethren. Paul knew that that day was coming. A day was coming when he was going to be conformed into the image of Christ. He says here, he says, it hasn't happened yet. I'm I'm not done. I'm not complete I haven't attained. I don't have the image of Christ perfectly right now. He says, but I press on. I reach forward. I go after it. I pursue. And so the question for us, it has to be, what does my life look like from now until the the glorious day when I see Christ face to face and I am conformed into His image? That's the question we have to ask ourselves, right? What does my life look like from today forward. We can't worry about the past. We can't stay in the past. What am I doing today to pursue Christ? 
What am I doing today to press on through all of this? And I, I want to take some time and I want to look at this from a bit of a different angle. And so I, I apologize, but bear with me. Um, we have just come off of Easter week and it was a, a wonderful time. Uh, to to be able to spend the week really just considering the person of Jesus Christ and what his life was about, that he came um, for the purpose of laying down his life, that he might once again take it up. You know, I just I was enamored by that all all not last week but the week before leading up to Easter and and just consumed by that. You know, and and and. Easter week, we, we celebrate the, the triumphal entry that's talked about in the Scripture. I know Matt gave us the, the real triumphal entry and, uh, a few weeks back, but we celebrate that. We celebrate the cross. But mostly on Easter, we're celebrating the resurrection, right? We're celebrating that the tomb is empty. So much so that, that most Christians, they don't even say Happy Easter. They say Happy Resurrection Day. You know, it's, it's, it's a joy that we are celebrating that the tomb is empty, that Christ is risen from the dead. That is what we take great joy in, right? But I believe that if, if, if Jesus is who he says he is, and, and I believe that he is, I believe Jesus is who he says he is, I believe that his death on the cross paid the penalty for all of my sins, past, present, and future. I believe that he is the Lord that rose again on the third day after being put in the tomb I have to ask myself the question, what am I doing with the risen Lord? What am I doing with the risen Lord? You know, I I find myself, and I think many other Christians as well, we get ourselves caught up at the foot of the cross. We go through our Christian life sitting at the foot of the cross. And don't misunderstand me. Please, do not misunderstand me. The cross is amazing. The cross is a wonderful thing. The cross is a a humbling thing. The cross is amazing. It wasn't in my own life until I came face to face with the cross that that things began to change for me Um, in in my walk with the Lord. I I remember it was um, summer retreat. I went up to Hume Lake with uh, the youth group here. And it was 1990, and um, we went up there, and uh, we were just, uh, it was my first experience just being enveloped in, in the Word, and, and just worship, and, and God, and, and it, was, it was so great, it was so amazing for me. And I remember it was probably the third night we were there, we were in the worship service, and uh, the Steve Mills Band was playing. Any of you guys know the Steve Mills Band? No. Wow, that's so sad. So the Steve Mills Band, great worship band up there. They've been, they did Hume Lake for years and stuff. And they were up there and they were playing. And they began to play a song called The Nails in Your Hands. And I was standing there um, listening to this song and singing, you know, The Nails in Your Hands, The Nails in Your Feet. They tell me how much you love me. You know, and considering what Christ had done on the cross. And it was then that I came face to face with that that had to do with me. That, that the Lord on the cross was for me. That my sins had been paid for. And as they sang the first verse, I broke into tears. 
I, I dropped down into my seat and I was sitting there crying and and the second time through I just started writing the words down. I was just overwhelmed by the cross. Um, that that Christ would suffer the way he did to pay the penalty for my sins. It is an amazing thing. The cross is wonderful and, and for that reason we, we will we will celebrate communion this morning. We'll partake of the table and remember the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. But I want to really encourage you this morning to consider the question, what am I doing with the risen Lord? The cross is part of it. The cross is is the, the beginning of it. But the resurrection, you guys, the tomb is empty. There's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for that. I don't think God desires His children to continue going through life perpetually dealing with their sins at the foot of the cross. That's where we go, right? To deal with our sins. We go to the cross. We see that that's where they're paid for. And so often we find ourselves just sitting there at the foot when I think that God desires so much more. I honestly believe that, that we can have victory over sin today. I think that we can overcome sin that we can get past these things in our life because the tomb is empty. Not because I can, but because Christ has shown us victory, right? He showed us victory over death. And, and if He rose from the dead, that same power that raised Him from the grave is the power that dwells within me. So why am I to live this life at the foot of the cross? In sin. Dealing with sin. Struggling with that. I, I think that we can have a life of victory. The resurrection stands as the culmination of hope for the Christian life. When you look to the empty tomb, it's my Savior is risen. My Lord is alive. There's something about that, you guys, that's different. I'm going to give you some verses here, so don't try and flip to them, but just track with me. 1 Corinthians 15.49 Paul says, Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. 1 John 3.2 Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, we know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And I came across a quote by a gentleman by the name of Eric Sauer. Um, He's a theologian, and this was his quote. He says, The present age is Easter time. It begins with the resurrection of the Redeemer and ends with the resurrection of the redeemed. Between lies the spiritual resurrection of those called into life through Christ. So we live between two Easter's. And in the power of the first Easter, we go to meet the last Easter. Do you guys get what he's saying there? He's saying it's in the power of the risen Lord that we are able to go forward as Christians to the second Easter. Our, our resurrection. It's an amazing thing. The power is not found in the cross. The cross does a great work. The power is found in the empty tomb. 
And it's because the tomb is empty that we are able to move forward to that day when we will one day see him face to face. The day when we will see Christ and we are conformed into his image. That is, that is what Paul longed for. That is what Paul was working towards. That is what Paul was seeking with his life. Because the tomb is empty, we now have the hope of eternal life. But if we believe that, shouldn't that affect how we're living? If we believe that that's the case, how can I say that Christ conquered death and still live the same way I always lived? How can I say that He rose from the dead and yet I'm just going to keep going about everything the way I always did? How can we stay in that place? Those things don't line up. It doesn't work. The Scripture tells us it doesn't work. Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. That, that, that's the call of Christians. You name the Lord Jesus Christ, abstain from wickedness. You don't get to stay where you were. You don't get to walk in wickedness any longer. Romans 13, 14, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. You want to claim to be a Christian? You put on Jesus Christ and you don't make provision for the flesh. You don't walk in temptation. You don't walk in a place where, where you might fall into sin. You make no provision for the flesh. You shut that off. John 17, he's talking to the Lord. He's praying to the Father on behalf of the church. Listen to what he says. He says, but now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world so that they may have joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. You guys see that? This is Christ praying for, for His people. And He's saying, Father, I don't, I don't want You to take them out. I know that there's a place for them here. They, they are going to be here on this earth, but they're not going to be in this world. The world's going to hate them. Father, sanctify them by Your Word. Change them. Change them, Father. Ephesians 4.24 Put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. In Philippians 3.21, Paul is talking about God and he says, uh, Christ, he's saying, who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that has even to, that the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. You guys, we are being changed. If Jesus is your Lord, you are being changed. That, 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 that is something that is true. My question is, what are you doing with the risen Lord? My question is, are you pressing on? My question is, are you, are you reaching forward? Andrew Murray writes in his book, Absolute Surrender. He says, If only I could make his children understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is to enable you every moment to remember Jesus and to trust Him. Later in that same chapter, he says, Do not be content to remain ever groaning, but say, I, 
a wretched man, thank God, through Jesus Christ, even though I do not see it all, I am going to praise God. He is at work in us. And you know, folks, I'm not telling you to be perfect. That's just not the case. That's not my my call upon you this morning. Um, Paul realized that he was not perfect. He says, I've not attained. I'm not there. But I press on. His desire was for Christ's likeness. His desire was to pursue Christ with everything that he had at all times in every situation. And not just for himself, but to point others to Christ. You know, I, uh, I have a Bible study on Tuesday nights that uh, I share with a wonderful group of ladies. And uh, we've been doing a survey of the Old Testament. And we went through Leviticus a few weeks ago. And as any of you have spent time in Leviticus, I know it might be a little tedious for you, but it is all about the holiness of God. Leviticus shows you that God is holy, that he is completely other than, and he is calling his people to be holy as well. He is setting them apart as something different. In Leviticus chapter 19, God tells Moses to tell the people, he says, speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This was the call that God had upon his people. And I want to share with you, it didn't end with them in the Old Testament. That call is the same for us today. Peter, in 1 Peter says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours and your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter's telling his audience, he's saying, Don't be conformed to your old ways. Stop walking in your old lust, in the old desires of the flesh, the the old sins. Stop. You were ignorant then. You are not ignorant today. You claim to know Christ. You claim Him as your Savior. Be holy, for your Lord is holy. Because the call is to be set apart from this world. The call is to be different. The call is to be Christ-like. Is that not what sets us apart? He is completely different than the world in which we live. That is, that is what Paul is seeking after. That is what he is desiring. That is what he is pressing on for. You know, I'm not sure how to say this without first telling you that I love you. I better start there. But if you claim to be a Christian... If you claim that Jesus is your Lord, act like it. If you claim that Jesus rose from the dead and that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, live like it. Speak like it. Let your words show it. Let your actions represent Christ. That's what Paul longed for. That's what Paul sought after. That's what he pressed on to. You know, and the Scripture is an interesting thing because it's very clear. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. 
He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God is the one who is at work. God is the one who is changing you. God is the one who is conforming you into the image of his son. Make no mistakes. But Paul says, I press on. Paul says, I reach forward. He's pursuing Christ's likeness. We don't get to just sit around and float through life knowing that God's at work. We press on. We pursue holiness. We pursue Christ's likeness. That is a call that Paul had for these people. That is a call that, that I have for you this morning. Consider the, the question that haunted me for two weeks. What are you doing with the risen Lord? The question, it haunted me. I, I, just, I spent two weeks going, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying, I don't know. I'm, what am I doing with the risen Lord? I'm failing. I want you guys, come face to face with that question. What are you doing with the risen Lord? Let it change you. Let it, let it prepare you for all that God has to do, all that God desires to do in you. Surrender. Surrender yourself to, to the work of His Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word and for the power of Your Word. Father, we thank You that we can be confident that as we come to this place, as we come to worship You, as we come to open Your Word, that You... You are here and you are faithful to minister. Lord, I, I know that I have nothing. And so, Lord, I ask that you would take these words, take your words and pierce hearts. Lord, uh, may we be changed people because of the power of your word and because of the truth of your word. Or as Christ prayed, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Lord, that is my desire for each of us. That we would be changed because of the truth. And we know that the truth is found in your word. So Lord, we uh, thank you for this time. We thank you for meeting us here. We, uh, we love you. In Jesus' name. Hey, we are so glad that you chose to listen to us today. Our mission here at Rancho Baptist Church is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and who live to reach their world for Christ. If you have any questions at all regarding this particular broadcast or this sermon, or if you just want to know God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to contact us. You can call us here at the church at area code 951-676-2911. That phone number again is 951 951- 676-2911 or you can contact us on our website at www.ranchobaptistchurchalloneword.org that's ranchobaptistchurch.org trust that you have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you walk with Him <laughs>